This is Valor Radio. Valor, strength of mind and spirit that enables a person to face danger with resolve and determination in battle or in any other situation. Valor, like that displayed by veterans of every branch of the military throughout our community. This radio show, Valor Radio, salutes all of you who have raised your right hands to volunteer to protect and preserve our unique American way of life. Thanks for joining us and your brothers and sisters in uniform. Now, Valor Radio. Well, hello and welcome, soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, coasties, guardians, and civilians serving by their side and the families who support everybody. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, right into the tent we go here uh, with Captain uh, Steve Amato, Colonel Paul Simonelli. We have breaking news this morning, right? We sure do. We sure do. Good morning, gentlemen. Brett, how are you? Colonel, I'm doing great, man. We're getting ready for uh, day 45. Just amazing, folks. Just to bring you up to date, uh, Brett has been running for 44 days straight. Each day he's completed a full marathon. Uh, started in Florida. He crossed the New York border early Sunday morning and is working his way back up here to finish on June 11th to uh, celebrate the life and the service and the sacrifice to honor the sacrifice of, of a friend, uh, Officer. Officer uh, Tony Mazurkowitz, and uh, honor, that was uh, killed in the line of duty, murdered in the line of duty last year. And uh, Brett wanted to honor him, and he started this 45 days ago. This is our third time talking to him. Uh, Brett, how you feeling? I feel like a million bucks there, Colonel Green and Wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I had the privilege of uh, spending a couple of minutes with Brett yesterday, or uh, Monday, or Sunday morning, as he crossed into the into New York State. Uh, he uh, just actually dumbfounded by what I saw. Um, he's like a machine. He has to be to have done this, but. Uh, uh, I, I realized something. Uh, I saw your list of what you do at each stop you make and what you drink, what you eat, and you you pretty much stuck to uh, a formula. I uh, saw. So I've got to ask you a couple of questions. You've run a lot of marathons before this started, but uh, obviously never this many. Did you uh, did you just come up with this formula on your own, or is this something that evolved over the last forty five days? It's funny because it, it, I, it hasn't evolved at all. I stuck to this, and this is the first time I tried eating real food um, during you know during the marathon or ultra marathon, where I would always use like race food, like these, these sugary gummy things or these gel packets with goo in it, and you know they stop being palatable after a while. So uh, I started with these three and a half miles on the first couple, then three miles I stopped. And I use a new hydration system called Protec, which uh, has worked out great. And started eating real, like ho-hos and apple pies and, uh, and uh, Pop-Tarts. And the thing is, like, when you want to eat the food, you eat all the food. The issue with other race food is after a while, you're like, oh, that tastes terrible to me. You stop eating, you stop performing. And I think the biggest 
thing that people don't realize is when you feel really good when you're out there running or doing triathlons, you feel good because you ate and drank, and that's the exact time you need to eat and drink more, not just hammer away at it. And uh, I, I, this formula worked from the start, and I haven't tweaked it at all, and I, you know, I don't hit the wall. Like, I really, there's no wall. There's one day when I was running with the great Peter Burnett, who's like ran my wheels off. Uh, I was like mile 25. My legs were like concrete. I'm like, oh my god, this is like been the hardest one. But other than that, like you know, I've been strong at the end of these marathons. So I, I think everything's working, and uh, I, I got a great system in place. Well, it, it looked like it. At uh, you had uh, a great support crew. I know you you picked up some new guys uh, on Monday, and uh, for your, I guess they're going to take you all the way home. Um, but, uh, just, uh, it was, it was great, great seeing you. You look, you look strong, you looked healthy. Um, and you're everyone. I talked to some of the guys you were running with that you've been running with and they say you're, you're, you're like a Rolex watch with your pace. (laughs) (laughs) I am too. I'm I'm like steady Eddie until honestly until the last seven miles at mile 19, something in my brain clicked. And I, I don't, people guess what it is. I don't, I don't really know myself, but it's usually it's because, you know, it, you know, although I may seem cheery and happy at mile 19, I just feel like the road has beat me up a little bit. And then I find this extra gear and, uh, you know, start running, you know, sub nine minute miles. And part of it is maybe to get off the road. But the other part is just, I always want to end on a, on a note where I feel like I did the dominating as opposed to the road dominating me. And I think uh, psychologically sets me up for the next day. Um, you know, there's times I shut it down. I do the opposite of what people do with, with emotion. When, when I feel, when I have a really great day and I, I have a lot of positive emotions at the end, I just, I try to slow my brain down. I don't, I don't go any faster. I just want to, like, literally stay in that moment of feeling good. And on the days where I feel real crappy towards the end, I go that much harder just kind of burn off those bad emotions and uh it's been working great for me it really has like i'm excited i'm like a horse right the horse always wants to get back to the barn they want to get you off their back they know they're going to be able to lay around the rest of the day get food and drink i'm the same way and the barn's only you know i don't know how many miles up the road but i'm damn close to it well, that's great. I some one of the guys was telling me uh, while we were waiting for you to come up uh, a little hill on Sunday that uh, when you hit that nineteen mile mark, while you might have a smile on your face, you you've got this uh, joyful anger <laughs> they call it <laughs> that's really motiv- pushing you at that point. Don't get in your way. You might be smiling, but don't get in your way. Yeah, they. Uh, it's so funny, and you know, some of the guys at at mile nineteen tried running with me, and. Uh, I tell them, I'm like, run at your own risk after mile 19. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll keep the pace together until then. And then after that, I'm not waiting for anyone. And uh, was, we dropped a few people here and there. So after mile 19, everyone's like, ah, oh, you're on your own. Like, we're, <laughs> we're not coming to you. And I'm like, run at your own risk, my brothers. And you know what's really great, Colonel, is I look every morning I wake up. And I, every morning I wake up to a picture of Tony Mazurkiewicz. And, and, again, sometimes smirking at me because it's hard to get out of bed because I'm stiff and sore. But I always check the runner sign-up. And I looked this morning. We're on the cusp of 700 runners who are going to run the last three miles into that uh, Civic Center Plaza 
with the Mazurkowitz family watching, and we're up over $80,000 in donations for that family. Like, it's really gaining momentum the closer we get to Rochester, which it's going to be just a fabulous ceremony, a fabulous ending to this uh, odyssey. Fantastic. And, and by the way, guys, uh, uh, Brett, uh, Colonel Captain, I don't know if you picked up on this, but there is a news story. You know, Tony Mazurkowitz is an Avon native, and uh, there is legislation pending in Congress to rename the post office in Avon after him. Fabulous. How great is that? Like, that, that's what you do for fallen heroes. That, so thank you for the free 26 miles today, because that's what this will be today. It won't, it won't hurt me at all. Well, that's that's great. We don't want. To, we know you got your routine. We don't want to take too much of your time, but just want to tell you we're 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 with you. We're, uh, we'll plan on seeing you on Sunday, uh, and uh, just uh, can't wait for you to finish. And and we're going to celebrate. So uh, stay strong these uh, next few days. And you know we're just a phone call away if you need anything. All right, my friend. I, I appreciate you guys so much. Yeah, I appreciate the support and seeing you, Paul. It was awesome, man. It just like. Giant smile on my face that you made the trip down, and that meant so much to me. Can't thank you enough. Well, I'm I'm glad I didn't miss it. I'm glad we got down there, and uh, we'll we'll keep you in our prayers these next few days. And uh, God bless and stay strong. Roger that. Talk to you later. All right, take care. Fantastic, unbelievable, folks. Uh, just uh, you know, if you want to. Um, you want to donate, you can go to locustclub.org, or uh, there's a couple other ways to do it on Facebook. If you go to Brett's page or you go to Valor Radio's page, um, you can get in there and donate. You can still sign up for the run. It's not too late to sign up for the run. Uh, a cool 1,000 would be nice running with him those last three miles, but we're up over 700, which is pretty damn amazing. Uh, and uh, we'll just keep our fingers crossed. Let's hit a hundred thousand dollars, and let's uh, get a few, couple hundred more folks, so that we, we're on Sunday, everything finishes strong. And Brett's effort, uh, um, he deserves it after what he's done. All right, folks, I'm hearing some music. We'll be back with more Valor Radio in just a minute or two. Valor Radio, on the WYSL stations. Get the podcast wysl1040.com. Your go-to for standard of specialized business insurance coverage. MGM Associates of Rochester, now serving the region and beyond in New York. Since 1984, MGM has provided leading coverage from a wide range of carriers. Not only home, condo, boat, motorcycle, and auto, but also specialized policies for all types of businesses, including nonprofits and law firms, livery insurance, property insurance, and bonds for all needs. MGM Associates of Rochester provides auto, workers' comp, health care, and liability coverage. Choose from virtual appointments or good old in-office, in-person consults by appointment at our Penfield office. Five-time consecutive winner of the National Best Practices Award, MGM is proud to support veterans groups. For your personal business, home, or professional insurance needs, meet the experienced staff at MGM Associates. Locally and proudly owned at 1745 Penfield Road in Penfield, 381-7008 or mgminsure.com. An associate of Finger Lakes Fire and Casualty, Route 227, Trumansburg, New York. The colors are red for valor, white for innocence, and blue for justice. Our nation's flag proclaims liberty for all. And our military service members continue to fight for the right to live in freedom. 
Honor their service and sacrifice with an American-made flag from the Stars and Stripes Flag Store. Visit eflagstore.com to shop now. All proceeds support Veterans Outreach Center and local veterans. Join Abate Monroe County, American bikers aimed toward education and help adult bikers ride free and safe. Check out our meetings on the third Friday monthly at Wise Guys Diner and Catering, 2811 Dewey Avenue. Join Abate for less than 50 cents a week. Google Abate Monroe County on the web. Hey, how about becoming a member of the National Warplane Museum in Geneseo, New York? Help us preserve history. Plus, you get some pretty fancy benefits. Visit us online, nationalwarplanemuseum.com. From Niagara Falls to the Adirondacks and from Canada to Pennsylvania, you're listening to Valor Radio. We are back in here with the Colonel and the Captain. Thanks so much for joining us for Valor Radio. Thanks, Robert. And folks, uh, you know, we record this usually on Tuesday, and we are recording it on Tuesday this week. And today's uh, D-Day. D-Day, we all know. Uh, was an invasion that helped change the course of World War II. Um, at its time, it was unprecedented in its scale and its audacity. Um, it's the 79th anniversary of D-Day. Nearly 160,000 troops um, landed at Normandy on June 6, 1944, of those, about 73,000 were U.S. troops. About 83,000 were from Britain and Canada. There are also forces from a few other countries, including some French troops fighting under uh, General Charles de Gaulle. Um, they faced around at, at Normandy about 50,000 entrenched German troops, very well defended. You know, they say in the military, if you want to attack, you need to have a minimum ratio of three to one, but ideally uh, five to six to one uh, against a well-defended position. Uh, obviously, if you add these numbers up, um, they weren't quite there, but uh, um, they they did what they had to do through uh, more than two million Allied soldiers, sailors, pilots, medics, and other people from a dozen countries were involved in Operation Overlord, um, which was the name of the operation uh the landing at Normandy on D-Day started about 6.30 in the morning. And uh, just after dawn, they had five beaches that they identified that different units were responsible for. Rotten weather, too, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Omaha, Utah, Gold, Sword, and Juneau. Um, and the operation included uh, actions inland, including parachute jumps, uh, landings, you know, around strategic German sites. U.S. Army Rangers uh, made the name for themselves, scaling the sure. cliffs uh, to take out German gun positions. Um, about eleven thousand Allied aircraft that day, seven thousand ships and boats, um, and tens of thousands of vehicles uh, were were used in the invasion. Um, so about. A total of about 4,414 Allied troops were killed on D-Day itself, including uh, 2,501 Americans. More than 5,000 were wounded. Um, And, you know, thank God we got uh, our local historian, Captain Steve uh, Momano, U.S. Navy retired. uh, And he's going to talk to us a little bit about some of the folks from Rochester that landed on D-Day and made the sacrifice. Uh, My father... Came in through 
uh, Normandy um, and and landed. Uh, I know your dad uh, yes, he did. was involved also, and thank God they lived so that they could have us. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, well, my dad's uh, convoy uh, was uh, was uh, heading for Omaha Beach. They were in the wrong line. They had to get out of it and go back the other direction toward Utah. And if they hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't be here. Yeah. yeah. So Steve wanted to talk to us today a little bit about some of the folks from Rochester yeah, that, if that I could. made, made we, the ultimate sacrifice on D-Day. Yeah, it was a pretty uh, costly campaign, uh, the, the Normandy uh, invasion and uh, we lost uh, about eleven guys just on June sixth alone. And I just wanted to talk about them, and I'll go through them as quickly as I can. First one is PFC Francis Walter Fulham, U.S. Army, twenty-two years old. He was a combat engineer. Most of these guys were combat engineers with C Company, two ninety-ninth Engineer Combat Battalion. That's the two ninety-ninth Engineers of the First uh, Infantry Division. They were, he was killed in action 6 June 44 on Omaha Beach. His father lived at 118 Arnett Boulevard in Rochester. He was a graduate of Aquinas Institute, class of 39, and a member of St. Monica's Parish. And he's buried at Arlington National Cemetery in Section 12. Sergeant Donald E. Georger, U.S. Army, was 20 years old, combat engineer, Company A, 299th Engineers, killed in action 6 June 44 on Omaha Beach, Went missing on D-Day after his landing craft was struck by German artillery. An only son. His parents lived at 36 Winburn Road, Rochester. He's another member of St. Monica's Parish, and he's also buried at Arlington National Cemetery in Section 12. Flight Officer John F. Keeley, U.S. Army Air Force. 23 years old, crew member of a B-26 Marauder. Four ninety seventh Bomb Squadron, three forty fourth Bomb Group of the Ninth Air Force. He went missing over Montbourg, France, and his body was never recovered. He was later declared dead. He's memorialized in the tablets of the missing at Colville Surmer Cemetery in Normandy. Was awarded the Air Medal with three oak leaf clusters. The mission of the three forty fourth that day was to neutralize German coastal batteries on Utah Beach which they did with exceptional skill. He was a graduate of Edison Tech High School, and he was a member of St. Philip Neary Parish. Before the war, he lived with his parents at 27 Dorset Street. Private Salvatore M. Sam LaFerrera, U.S. Army, was 22 years old. Airborne paratrooper, Company C, 1st Battalion, 506 Parachute Infantry Regiment. Airborne. Uh, yeah, 101st Airborne Division. <laughs> Band of Brothers guys, not not the uh, easy company guys, but the uh, the guys in 1st Battalion who were crapping in their foxholes, remember? At uh, Foy, remember that? <laughs> he would have been one of them. He was killed in action on 6 June 44, just northeast of Picoville, Normandy. His C-47 was hit by enemy anti-aircraft fire and crashed, killing all aboard. He played football, varsity football, at Ben Franklin High School and was also a member of St. Philip Neary's Parish. He lived with his parents before the war at 1824 Clifford Avenue, my dad's old neighborhood, and was uh, buried at Normandy American Cemetery, posthumously being awarded the Purple Heart. I, I'm, I'm sure my dad knew him. Uh, they went to the same high school and they lived in the same neighborhood. Private Daniel J. Labuti, U.S. Army, was 31 years old, a combat engineer with Company A, 112th 
Engineer Combat Battalion. Killed in action 6 June 44, uh, Utah Beach, Omaha Beach, depending on who you ask. Uh, one of two Labuti brothers killed in World War II. His younger brother, Alfred, was killed at Sicily in August of 43. Daniel's wife, who lived at 110 uh, Hebard Street, gave birth to a son while he was overseas, who he named after his dead brother. He never got to see him. He was a graduate of East High School, St. Francis of Assisi Parish. He was a graduate of, of um, and, I'm sorry, graduate East High, and he was buried at Holy Sepulchre Cemetery. Oddly, uh, he's buried in Section 22 North, not next to his younger brother, who's buried in Section 26 South. Private First Class Orlo Henry Lovejoy, U.S. Army, 22 Infantryman, 116th Infantry Regiment, 29th Infantry Division, killed in action 6 June 44, Omaha Beach, survived by his mother, who lived at 189 Meg Street, Rochester, and 10 sisters. He attended West High School and was employed before the war by the Empire Fence Company. He's buried at Normandy American Cemetery, posthumously awarded the Purple Heart. Sergeant John E. Mayer, U.S. Army, 28 years old, combat engineer, Company A, 299th, killed in action 6 June, Omaha Beach. His name is misspelled on the War Memorial Wall. They left out the R on his name. He lived with his wife at 5 Post Avenue, Rochester, and was employed by Eastman Kodak. He's buried at Normandy American Cemetery and posthumously awarded the Purple Heart. Private Carmelo R. Carl Presavento, U.S. Army, 19 years old, combat engineer, Company B, 299th, killed in action 6 June, Omaha Beach. Before the war, he lived with his parents at 36 Baldwin Street, Rochester. He's a graduate of Ben Franklin High School, and he's buried at Normandy American Cemetery. Private Wesley J. Robenstein, U.S. Army, 21 years old, combat engineer, Company C, 299th, killed in action 6 June 44, Omaha Beach. Lived with his parents at 107 Cobbs Hill Drive, Rochester. He was a welder by trade, and he was a graduate of Monroe High School, posthumously awarded the Purple Heart. Seaman Donald Charles Tennedy, U.S. Naval Reserve, 18 years old. He was a landing craft gunner with USS LCF-31, Killed in action 6 June 44 in the English Channel off the coast of France. His landing craft struck, uh, uh, was struck uh, during the beach uh, assault, probably by a mine. He's buried at Mount Hope Cemetery and was posthumously awarded the Purple Heart. He lived with his parents at 16 Arnett Boulevard. There's another Arnett Boulevard. Those two. Yeah. And PFC George L. Wendell, U.S. Army, 35 years old, the old man of the group, combat engineer, Company A, 299th Engineers, killed in action 6 June 44, Omaha Beach, had previously been a resident of Bronx County, New York, moved to Rochester before the war and ran a barber shop at 450 Woodbine Avenue. He lived with his wife and his parents at 89 Midvale Terrace in Rochester and left behind a 17-month-old daughter. That's pretty amazing. So you had two from Arnett Boulevard, one from Post Avenue, one from Woodbine. All those people could have known each other they all lived very close to each other it's not as the same as that it's a small our one world, street but yeah. yeah 
Um, a lot it must of have been a horrible week, uh, uh, a couple of weeks after the invasion oh, when all absolutely. those telegrams were delivered. Absolutely. And, you know, the two things I, I noticed, two of the guys, one was in his late 30s, one was in his early 30s. Those were volunteers. Yeah. There was no draft involved for yeah. someone over 30 years old. I had one uncle that uh, enlisted at 30. He was 39, 38 or 39 when he enlisted in World War II. One of my uncles, no need to go and uh, just... You know, felt the need to do it. He ended up in the Pacific, but uh, just an amazing, hmm. an amazing uh, sacrifice, amazing plan. Uh, you know, we've seen lots of movies about different parts of D-Day, uh, but really, it's one of those things you could study, spend a lifetime studying yeah. uh, how how it got to that point. And it was pretty much as soon as the war started. I mean, almost within months of our involvement in the war. A decision was made that you know D-Day was going to happen. They didn't know how, when, mm-hmm. where. They didn't know where they were going to get the landing craft from. Right. Thousands and thousands of landing crafts, but uh, they knew very early on in 1941, 42 that this was going to be the place, that, and uh, they just had to set the time and get ready to do it. All right, I'm hearing some music. We'll be back shortly with more Valor Radio. Get the podcast at wysl1040.com. Listening to Valor Radio with Colonel Paul Simonelli. We're back in here with Valor Radio. It is a D-Day week, I guess we could call it. We're recording the show here on Tuesday on D-Day. Uh, 79th anniversary, Colonel? 79th. I was just saying to Steve during the break, maybe we should uh, head over there next year for the 80th. I We actually had reservations for the 75th. Road trip. And um, just... Uh, I don't know. I made a decision. It would have been neat to have been there for the 75th, but I didn't know if I wanted to be there with like 2 million people at the same time. Oh. Oh. You don't think it'll be that way for the 80th? Oh, I was there for the 50th, man. It <laughs> Were was, you really? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It was. It was, it was pretty amazing. So um, Chaotic. Ronald Reagan? No, Bill Clinton. Oh, Bill Clinton. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okie dokie. <sighs> Time's flying. We're getting old. Francois Mitterrand yeah. was there. Yeah. All right. So... You know, we, we talk a lot about the VA. Uh, I, so I've got a couple of things. I, I just got to get off my chest. Last week, I get a letter in the mail from the VA, and it says, because of your failure to respond to our request to set an appointment, we're canceling the referral. Now, I still have most of my faculties and everything else. I will tell you, uh, the day before... Or two days before, I received a phone call. I was in a meeting. As soon as I got out of the meeting, I called back. And I said, I'm returning, you know, so-and-so's phone call. Oh, well, she's not here. I can take care of you. And I said, I guess uh, she said I needed to set up an appointment for X, Y, and Z. And so this person on the other end's looking, and they said, well, I don't see X, Y, and Z, but, you know, you're due to see your doctor in October. Would you like to make that appointment now? So I said, sure, if that's what you were calling about, fine. So I made the appointment, and then I get the letter 
a couple days later saying, because you failed to respond, you know, you're a bad boy. So I, you know, they have a secure email system. You got to go log in and go through 17 layers and you can send to your primary care person or whoever. So I sent a note and I was a little ticked off, you know, and I said, listen, I said, I did not fail to, I quoted out of the letter, failed to respond. Um, I did call within you know less than three hours of being called. The person on the other end had absolutely no idea why I was calling, and I said it's really offensive. And I said, you know, I still have my faculties. What about some, you know, World War II or Korean or you know Vietnam vet, you know, someone who's in their nineties and trying to and having a little trouble navigating, and they right. get a letter like that from you guys. I said it's it's offensive. So I'll be damned, like. Within two hours, I get a call apologizing. Do they know you're a lawyer? No, no, I, I don't. <laughs> it has absolutely, I know, it has absolutely nothing to do with it. <laughs> apologizing, they say, well, when um, when someone doesn't respond, um, I said I did respond. They go, I don't know, but they said letters get generated automatically. I said, well, you know, oh, the language of those letters geez. really stinks. Yeah, language and, matters. And I said, yeah. the other thing on there, um, you know, you look at your appointments, you can see all your appointments online, and if you change an appointment, they mark it as canceled. And instead of, you know, rescheduled, oh, they just mark on. it as canceled, so it looks like oh, yeah. you didn't show up for it or something. So I said, yeah, I, know, I know it's all semantics. Problem with it is, it yeah. is. And they, you know, typically before an appointment, I'll get at least four notifications, four to five notifications. I'll get one through the mail. I'll get two, a couple of texts. I'll get a robocall from Albany. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time I get to the appointment, there's like four to five notices. Oh. And you're right. They do have a big problem with no-show rates. I understand that. You know, sometimes you have a non-compliant audience uh, clientele. But yeah. anyway, it's just a bit of a problem. You know, they've got a – just to re- remind folks, they have a $320 million, uh, billion dollar budget <laughs> this year. Three hundred and twenty billion, um, and you know. So you see this little story pop up about the VA. Um, they lost uh, more than three point five billion in misplaced spending. They just lost it. Just lost. It's yes. just one percent. It's just a. It's just a one, rounding error. Right. It's just one percent of their budget. Jeez. Um, and th- by the way, the VA is not alone in this. You hear this kind of stuff about governmental agencies. All the, All time. the time, they right. can't account for half a billion dollars. Can't appoint for account for one point two billion. What was it that Everett Dirksen said about a billion here, a billion there? Sooner or later, it adds up to real money. Yeah. So, but they feel like they've really improved because in twenty twenty they lost twelve billion dollars they couldn't account for, and in twenty one it was five billion. So they feel like they're on a good track here. That it's only three. And, you know, $3.5 billion this past year. The, the distressing thing about that is, you know, when you're talking about numbers of that size, you know a significant portion of that is fraud or theft. And, and there's probably, um, the most of it they probably don't even pick up on. Um, so They just write it off. They just yeah, write it off. Yeah, I just, they, uh, absolutely. Ugh. But, man, it's just, they, you know. Yeah, but you know, Paul, when you were in the Army, and I know when I was in the Navy, we had to account for every every nickel Every scrap of paper, we had to we had to account for all of that, and they would threaten us, physically threaten us with with Leavenworth and all, all kinds of stuff if we didn't, you know, make make sure all those numbers fit. Bob, just to give you an idea about this, uh, when I was a young lieutenant, 
you know, one of the things you do is run ranges. And, <laughs> you know, you had to account for every round of rifle ammo you fired. Yeah, you told All me the this. brass yeah. had to be turned in. When I ran oh, a hand grenade, when you ran a hand grenade range, all the fragments had to be turned in. No, not the fragments, but <laughs> but all the pins. You had, <laughs> oh, yes. Geez. You had to count for every pin on every live grenade that you used. So if you had, you know, a thousand grenades and you used 700 of them, you better have 700 and they're counting at, at range. And Paul had them all in his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Please so, place pins here. <laughs> so, you know, everybody, of course, everybody wants to keep those, but that becomes an, an accountability thing because if you, yeah. you, you assume if you don't get a pin, it's probably still in a grenade. Oh no! So you had to really shake down these soldiers and yeah. make sure they didn't keep any of those. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody and, wants and you, you a souvenir. Yeah, you, that's what I was just going to say. You mentioned you mentioned that they they want to hang out of those. Pins. Oh, of course they do. Oh, of course they do. And by the way, Steve, I don't know if you ever did a hand grenade range. No, a, I always wanted to. Well, you know what? You, you spend three quarters of the day throwing dummy grenades. You know, in different yeah, scenarios, kneeling, standing, yeah. uh, different positions. And they're blue, and they're yeah, the same right, weight right. of a real grenade. And, you know, they're a little comparable to a baseball, heavier, but, you know, size-wise, comp- a little smaller than a baseball. You can fling those things with those blue grenades. I don't know what happens to the human body and the human mind when they put a real grenade in your hand, and you, you're you there, and you go to throw it, and it goes about a third of the distance. Oh, no. You know, you're, you haul, and they, you're throwing it with all your might, and all of a sudden it goes about a third of the distance. And it's the same weight. It's the exact same weight wow. as the fake ones, but it's a, it's, the soldiers need to overcome that. I mean, that's why you need to do this to overcome because it is just such a uh, uh, you know you drop one of those yeah they have these sumps in the in the manhole you know in the foxholes that you're in a, a sump so the sergeant that's there's with you the NCO if you drop it he's got to kick it in that sump and then you know you, you stand against the wall where the sump is so that it'll blow out that way and you get around so you don't wow. get hurt it's really it's a but I, I will tell you what the hand grenade range was by far for a young you know for a 22 23 year old lieutenant in charge of a range that was always one of those memorable events in life that when boy when it was over with I'll bet. and I had accounted for all those <laughs> You're breaking out in a cold sweat. Oh, Ugh. in Louisiana, and you know, in 98 degree, 100 percent humidity, and it just from oh, the moment no. you got there until it was over with. But uh, we got through it. Good, good NCOs, good, good sergeants. You know, lead. You know, will get you get you through it. Um, but uh, yeah, so everything has to be accounted for. You're right. Um, unbelievable. Uh, what the expectations are and you know to see the va doing this that's why government is so inefficient we know government's inefficient at everything it does all right we're going to take a break we'll be back with a bit more valor radio Yeah. 
go-to for standard of specialized business insurance coverage. MGM Associates of Rochester, now serving the region and beyond in New York. Since 1984, MGM has provided leading coverage from a wide range of carriers. Not only home, condo, boat, motorcycle, and auto, but also specialized policies for all types of businesses, including nonprofits and law firms, livery insurance, property insurance, and bonds for all needs. MGM Associates of Rochester provides auto, workers' comp, health care, and liability coverage. Choose from virtual appointments or good old in-office, in-person consults by appointment at our Penfield office. Five-time consecutive winner of the National Best Practices Award, MGM is proud to support veterans groups. For your personal business, home, or professional insurance needs, meet the experienced staff at MGM Associates. Locally and proudly owned at 1745 Penfield Road in Penfield, 381-7008, or mgminsure.com. An associate of Finger Lakes Fire and Casualty, Route 227, Trumansburg, New York. Hi, I'm Alan Ginsberg of the AM Ginsberg Advisory Group, LLC. I know a lot of you have heard enough of my ad regarding business continuation. We started this campaign in September 2020, and I want you to know the response has just been tremendous. The best part is that we're seeing the results of our efforts. Business owners who have been procrastinating on how to make sure their business continues on a successful path are starting to make the changes that are needed. Whether it be talking to their children key employees or favorite competitors, they are starting to get things done, making sure that their life's work doesn't just go by the wayside. Give us a call at 585-377-4720. We'll sit down and talk, find out what your business and family goals are. That's 585-377-4720. Thank you. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. AM Ginsburg Advisory Group and the Securities America companies are separate entities. The colors are red for valor, white for innocence, and blue for justice. Our nation's flag proclaims liberty for all, and our military service members continue to fight for the right to live in freedom. Honor their service and sacrifice with an American-made flag from the Stars and Stripes Flag Store. Visit eflagstore.com to shop now. All proceeds support Veterans Outreach Center and local veterans. You're listening to Valor Radio with Colonel Paul Simonelli. Back in with the Colonel and the Captain, and so glad you could join us here on WYSL 92.1 FM, 95.5 FM West, and soon to be bigger, AM 1040. That's it's pretty exciting about the power increase. Uh, we're going to be reaching out a little bit farther, and uh, always glad to hear that and see that. And uh, folks, we appreciate those that advertise here on WYSL. Absolutely. It's the only Thank way you. we can keep uh, the lights on. Now, that and won't affect the dog, will it? I'm sorry, what's that? That won't affect the dog at all, will it? With the power the, increase? The power increase, yeah. No. Won't make his hair stand up or anything? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll grow hair on some people. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, nonetheless, uh, excited about that. What's the timing, Robert? Uh, we're going to send in the order for, we have to We have to uh, make some modifications on our antenna equipment. And that stuff, the delivery time is four to six weeks. Uh, we're going to hopefully get that on order this week. 
then can you schedule the crew before you have it? Because you have to get a special crew in here to climb no. up those poles, don't you? No, no, there's no, no climbing involved. Oh, it's nothing up top. Actually, the, there are several different ways that we could uh, approach this problem. And the one that we picked is uh, one that's just modifications here inside the building for the oh, most part. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, right. so we're not going to be weather dependent or anything. It's uh, wow. uh, basically the addition of a small cabinet on our antenna phasing equipment. And then uh, a few coil and com- uh, component uh, changes out at the towers. There are tuning units at each tower. Okay. Uh, actually, there's two tuning units at each tower. Okay. One for day and one for night pattern. All right. So uh, wow. you're, you're going to be playing that. Uh, oh, I can't say that now. It's not politically correct. Um, well, just never mind. <laughs> Steve, what's he talking Dying about? Dying to know. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um. Anyway, send us a stamp self-addressed envelope, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, and we'll tell you what the colonel told us when the mics were off. That's right. So, Steve, yes, sir. It's happening all over the military, but it seems like it's a epidemic in the Navy right oh. now. Um, you know, people in the military aspire to command. You know, when mm. you're, you start out as a, in the army, you start out as a platoon leader, then a company commander, and then if you make the cut, a battalion commander, a brigade commander, right. and, you know, a division commander. Um, command. And, it's all about command. You're right. Right, and it's all those other jobs are all in preparing for or waiting for the privilege of taking command, and it's such a big deal, you know. When it happens, you're right. all in for that phase of your life. I mean, that's really that's that is your entire life when you're mm-hmm. in charge. And in the Navy, it's even I think it's even greater than you know a land unit because really a, a captain of a ship is a master and commander. It's a it's a the level of responsibility, the life or death. I it's mean, it's one step above. Else. There's nothing else nothing that even else comes like close it, no. like that. Maybe commanding a spacecraft or something. You, you but, could put a guy on bread and water as a, uh, a ship ship's a right. skipper. That, you know, you know, really is master and commander yeah. um, on a ship. And we're just seeing, was it seven just this year so far, ship commanders that have been relieved. What What is going on? I don't on? know. There's something in the water. I, 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 I just thought when you sent me the other one, I thought, well, we just had one a couple days ago. Right. And um, did you see the latest one? I, I'm troubled by that. I, I want to know what it was. Is this a political, politically correct kind of thing going we on? We don't know. Well, we won't know because all they tell you is that there was a loss of confidence that, in their in their command ability or whatever. Use the wrong pronoun, maybe. I I don't, I don't know. You don't know. You don't know. You, you don't know if it was if he was was he you know making eyes at the at the supply officer was he. Was he uh, telling bad jokes at dinner? I mean, uh, on the bridge or something? Yeah, maybe, maybe he uh, he browbeat somebody. Or but but did you see the testimonials that they put on when, when the guy left? He or I guess he went on Twitter or something, or yeah. and just you know said goodbye to everybody and said you know what a privilege it was that you know, and all these people came back and said you know best CEO I ever had uh, a real gentleman uh, you know but it was and it makes you wonder because you know the other thing I thought was very odd. Was anybody who gets command of a navy ship is is a uh, usually a, a pretty uh, you know hard charger right you know right and, and they've they've you look at their record in the past they've they've advanced early or whatever this guy his did you notice his top ribbon he had a a navy commendation medal with a, with a star on it so he had two awards right and that's it that's the highest award. A guy who got selected for ship command—that that doesn't compute with me. You, 
How the hell did you do that? He's a commander, no less. Right. Now, the, the, I got to tell you, the surface Navy is notorious for being stingy about metals. I mean, really stingy. But I've never seen anything quite like that. I mean, in an era when they're giving them out just basically because you're you got a nice smile, you know. Now, now they're just they're holding back on this guy. Maybe this guy just they didn't like his politics or something. I, I want to know what's going on with this guy. I he looked like a pretty squared away guy. But you see his picture, he looked like a pretty squared away guy. And I, you know, but you, you know, pictures lie. All of these, all of these though, um, these guys. Guys and gals getting relieved, yeah. and it's happening in the other services yeah, get, too. Yeah, and it's cross cross gender. It doesn't matter if no. it's guy or gal. Yeah, no, they're I mean, getting I've, relieved too. I've seen uh, two star army women, women army generals that were, have been relieved mm-hmm. um, over not fully investigating, you know, a sexual harassment claim. Um, believe it or not, uh, I just I mean, I've seen so it's happening across the services. We've seen some very senior people. In the Air Force, obviously, if it's criminal conduct, it's one thing. Yeah. But you know, I don't know that this is good. I don't know that this is good for the forces not to say what happened. I, I don't. I don't understand because if we don't learn from what these people are doing, there's got to be an object lesson here. I mean, somebody maybe, has to be paying attention. Maybe in the pre-command courses, they're. You know, you spend an afternoon talking about all right. the people at your level that have been relieved. I don't know. I, they never did that when any co- any course I ever went to. Um, I but I think there's more to be lost by not telling people. Right. In this case. Right. And because um, the good of the service matters. Right. And if it is truly for right. the good of the service, then people it's, following on and in place and command now they need to understand these things you're right well there's a morale impact is there not absolutely there is nothing worse i was in a unit where the battalion commander was relieved and i will tell you without a doubt it was one of the low now this guy was bad this guy i mean there was a level of relief when he got relieved Uh i was a lieutenant at the time Uh and it but i can't tell you psychologically the effect that had all the way even through if he, the unit. Even if he wasn't a great guy. Even though he was, a, he was, yeah. a, he was just a piece of crap. Yeah. But, it, but, um, but having him get relieved like that, it's, it's, it's uh, it, a downer. Yeah, it is. The rest of, you know, all of 5th Infantry Division knows that this battalion commander was right. relieved. And, you know, there's only so many battalions in the division. And Yeah, you don't want to get the label of being the hard luck battalion. Right, right, right absolutely. Yeah. And thank God the guy that came in behind him was so... Unbelievable! And from the first mm. minute he got there, he built the, the unit back up. He he had a gift for seeing what people were capable of, and then always got two mm. or three percent more than that what they were capable of. Right. Out of I still I'm still friends with him. This guy today, but he was the right guy at the right time. Yeah. But psychologically, I remember when I got a call from my company commander that the battalion commander had been relieved, and I well you I. Get- I just remember the feeling that that was. So that it does have such a negative impact. The good news is about a military unit, you can you can put it back together. Gen- generally, when when uh, if there's a bad command climate or something, the the CO, the XO, and the command master chief will all get relieved at the same time. There's none of that being implied here at all that they're going to relieve anybody else. Right. Right. And in fact, um, I think they fleeted up the XO. Right. I yeah. actually, I actually took over a company where the the commander, the XO, everybody but the first sergeant, you know, the supply sergeant, mm-hmm. uh, the training sergeant, mm. um, everybody was 
relieved. Boo. And that was a tough thing, taking that over. Mm. But, you know, once again, that, that's the neat thing about the military. You infuse a little fresh blood, yeah. and um, you, can, you can rebuild You can resurrect quickly. a lot. You know, we used yeah. to see these generals in World War II getting relieved three months a division commander yeah. you know he's got ten thousand troops and they're watching him eisenhower's watching him mm-hmm. marshall's watching this guy isn't producing in three <laughs> months Patton, remember Patton would say if you don't get down there in five hours i'll fire you too right <laughs> right but he wasn't kidding lucian uh yeah so lucian uh, trust guy yes yeah there you go um and but that so you used to see guys getting fired in yeah. world war ii but they'd get so they get some, the guy that got fired, uh, uh, Bo- Lloyd Friedenall, the guy that uh, Patton took over for, he he didn't even have a turnover with the guy. He got out of Dodge. They gave him the training, the big training command back in the states. Right, and people were saying, "Why is he getting the big plum assignment?" He he disgraced himself, but yeah. he he finished the war. But a lot of those guys got recycled right. and got a second chance in yeah. World War II. If they and some of them did well, they did well. The, right, the, the guy that the guy that was at uh, the chief of naval operations. Uh, Admiral Stark during Pearl Harbor, he got sent to the Atlantic and did convoy duty, and he he finished the war with you know high honors. Right. So I I just wish we had a little better understanding of what's going on. I think it has a lot to do with all the things we've been talking about. Yeah. And you know, in just one final minute, we're starting to see articles pop up. I know they make you very happy to see them. Um, they're trying to um, turn. General Milley into, you know, this great thing. We'll talk about it next week, but uh, uh, the the departing chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, now the revisionists are out there trying to say what a great soldier he was and how wonderful he was. Rehabilitate his image. Rehabilitate his image, yeah. We'll talk about it next week. All right, folks, I'm hearing some music. Let's have a great week. Let's get out 1 o'clock on uh, Sunday to bring Brett uh, into his finish at the Civic Center Plaza. Donate if you can. Sign up to run if you can. All right? We'll see you next week on Valor Radio. Keep our soldiers, sailors, airmen, coasties, marines, everyone in our in your thoughts and prayers. Thank you. There's bills that I can't pay. I don't do it for the glory. I just do it anyway. Providing for our futures. My responsibility. Yeah, I'm real good on the pressure. 